I want to give you actual, real tools you can use as you wake up, even the day after Thanksgiving, as we move into the holidays and Christmas, to give you things to begin working on with your kids and different ways you can foster gratitude inside of them over the course of their childhood and throughout the many years that they're living with you when you have daily influence and you can help train them. Do you ever wonder, how am I gonna make it through to bedtime? How will I make it to the weekend? Or how will I ever get through this long, hard season with my kids? If you're a mom, you've likely asked those questions over and over again. Hi, I'm Sarah Short. I'm a busy mom of five kids and after almost two decades of parenting and asking myself those same questions, I'm here to share with you some of the best ways to navigate through your days as a mom. From life with a newborn, to toddlers, to teenagers, and everything in between, I'll teach you how to walk through every season of motherhood with courage and creativity and come out on the other side smarter and wiser, all while creating great relationships with your kids and a home life you love. My Nana once told me, there's no way but through. Turns out she was right in life and in motherhood. So throw your hair in a messy bun, grab your coffee, and come have a seat as we talk about all things mom. This is the No Way But Through podcast. Hello, and welcome back in to the No Way But Through podcast. It is Thanksgiving week in 2023, and before I go any further today, I want to give a big shout out to my five kids Jack, Max, Lincoln, Wit, and Holly. Before I even started this podcast months ago, I went to each of them and asked them if I could share our family stories and stories about them and all they've taught me. And every single one of them said, yes, mom, of course. Well, Holly said, slay queen in true Holly form. But when I think about what I am most grateful for, these five amazing kids are at the top. They have taught me so much. I have learned so much from them. They challenge me and they have changed me. And they are so, so good to their mom. And I'm really grateful for my kids. And I just wanted to start this episode out by giving a shout out to them. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays of the year. I love the food. I love the side dishes. I love the desserts. I love the time we get to spend with my sister's family. And I really just love the whole day. The football on TV, cousins playing together, laughing with family. And I love the anticipation throughout the whole day, and even when we crash into bed at night, that the holidays have now truly begun. If you're tuning into this podcast and this isn't one of your favorite weeks of the year and being with family stirs up a lot of different emotions for you and some of them are not pleasant at all, or if you aren't going to be with family or are going to be alone, I just want to tell you that there was a time in my life when this was also true for me. I love Thanksgiving now, where I am now in this stage in my life and motherhood and parenting with my family and relationships, but there have been seasons when Thanksgiving has felt heartbreaking 
to me. So if that's you this year, I see you and I get it. I remember one year when I was really struggling with a broken heart and all of my friends were going home from college and I was going home to a broken family and a really hard situation at home and I cried all day that day. I remember looking at my plate of food that I loved, but with tears falling down my cheeks because life was just really, really hard for me then. I was very lonely. And you can be in a room full of people and feel desperately alone. So if that's you this year, even as a mom with kids and family or a husband and relationships, Life can be really hard and family can be hard and kids can be hard. And if you're just not feeling very thankful at all this year, I get it and I understand. Sometimes we just need to hear that, that we're understood and seen and you are. Today, I'm going to talk with you about fostering gratitude in our kids. If I were to poll all of you young moms listening If I were to poll all of my current friends in my current stage of life and ask all of us if we want to raise grateful kids, yes or no, every single one of us would say yes, right? We all want grateful children that grow up into grateful adults. In fact, in the two decades that I've been parenting, one of the things that all of my friends agree on in every different stage of life and motherhood is that not a single one of us wants entitled kids. One of the things that can often happen on Thanksgiving and during Thanksgiving week or any celebrations around Thanksgiving is that we all gather together at grandma's house or Aunt Sherry's house or we host or have a house full of friends or neighbors and we sit around the table or we're coming from a very big family of nine kids, which was the case in my family when I was growing up and there were multiple tables, we sit around and then the spotlight gets turned on, right? Everyone is asked to go around the table and say what they're thankful for. And then it's our kids' turn. And maybe a slight sense of panic starts to set in. What are they going to say Do they remember what we talked about in the car before we got to grandma's house? Please don't let them say anything that's going to completely embarrass me. And are we really giving the stage to my three-year-old anyway? The three-year-old who just threw an absolute temper tantrum in the aisle of Target because he couldn't have that toy that he doesn't even know I've already gotten him for Christmas? The kid who told me I'm a butt face from the third row of the car on our way over here. Going around the table and asking our kids to say what they're thankful for, either on Thanksgiving or any other time, can actually be really valuable. It's valuable because it tells us where they are. It helps us get a glimpse into if gratitude has taken root at all and is growing inside of them yet. Sometimes what comes out of our kids' mouths is really dark. Sometimes we see that they don't really care about anyone else but themselves. And that is hard at any age. We've had that 
and it stings. I'm going to say something here, and I hope it brings a great sense of relief to you and to your mama heart, whatever age your kids are. And I hope it challenges you as well. And it's this. There is nothing you can do the week of Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, on the ride to grandma's house, pulled aside in the entryway before you even walk in the door for dinner, or with any kind of pleading in your eyes while they're sitting across from you at the table that will foster genuine gratitude in your child. I want to encourage you that you don't have to do anything on Thanksgiving week and you can let it go. They're going to say what they're going to say. What's in their heart is what's in their hearts. And what age they are is what age they are. And sometimes they just say wackadoodle stuff because they're three, right? Or they're a grouchy hormonal teenager. There isn't anything you have to do at all this week as it relates to this. Most moms have a lot on their plates this week. I know I do. And the weight of our kids' souls as it relates to gratitude or discouragement from them acting spoiled doesn't need to be one of them that's added to our already full plate. We don't create gratitude in our home on Thanksgiving or in anyone else's home on Thanksgiving or at the beginning of a new year when we sit around on New Year's Day and we want them to look back on their year and share with us what they're grateful for. What I'm about to share with you, I want to really fill you with hope and empowerment and tools and ways of thinking that will actually and can alter the trajectory of your future Thanksgivings and give you actionable tools to help mold and shape your kids' hearts towards gratitude. Thanksgiving Day and any kind of sharing our kids do around this day as it relates to what they're grateful for is a true goldmine to assess where they are. Thanksgiving reveals what's already housed inside of them. Anytime we ask our kids to speak about gratitude or talk about what they're thankful for, this gives us a window into their hearts to see if and where gratitude is taking root. This is so important to know and notice and recognize because you have in just a couple of days an extraordinary opportunity with your kids from two years old all the way up through adulthood. You get a window. And one of the greatest gifts we get as parents is when our kids give us a window into what is actually inside their hearts. Because if we know what's in there, if we get to see it, then we can parent it. And we can parent it with grace and with love for them and empower them and teach them and point them to truth. And we get to be one of the catalysts that moves them to change and to living out grateful lives. So Thanksgiving Day or any time we shift our collective focus towards gratitude, this gives us a window. What I'm going to talk to you about today is how to take that window, what you see, and then to foster gratitude in them in your everyday life as a mom and as parents. Just like an athlete who trains all year for the Super Bowl, the training for Thanksgiving Day for your child to be able to express in front of family to you or in front of anyone else 
true and deep gratitude in any stage of their life comes from training all year long. The Super Bowl, the Thanksgiving Day, it just displays the fruit of all that training and all of that preparation and really what the team's made of, right? Well, what I'm going to share with you today are different ways you can help train your child or your children to be grateful. I want to give you actual, real tools you can use as you wake up, even the day after Thanksgiving, as we move into the holidays and Christmas, to give you things to begin working on with your kids and different ways you can foster gratitude inside of them over the course of their childhood and throughout the many years that they're living with you when you have daily influence and you can help train them. I've narrowed this down to five different things you can do to help foster gratitude in your kids. These are all things that we have done in our parenting and with our family. This is my lived experience. We now have one adult child and one who's almost an adult and one right on his heels. And so I am coming to you, sharing this with you after having raised several children who are grateful kids and grateful people. We have not done things perfectly, and we have not only not done things perfectly, but we've made a lot of mistakes. It is always so important to me that I reiterate that to you. We have made a lot of mistakes. But what's so awesome about getting so many years with our children, if we're given those years, is that we get a lot of chances to do things right. You get to mess up and ask for forgiveness and then try again. You get to attempt to train them in a certain way and feel like it's not working and wake up weary and tired and frustrated and then get up again the next day and keep on going because you've got more time with them and you love them and you want them to continue on a good path. We talk a lot about how our kids' childhoods go by so quickly and in some ways that's true. But we really do get a lot of time with them. We get a lot of years and teaching gratitude. You can start now while they're really, really little. And if you begin applying some of these principles to your life and parenting now, you will absolutely see growth in gratitude in your kids. And I think it might just change you too. So here are five ways to foster gratitude in your kids. Number one, focus less on stuff and more on experiences. This is something we committed to do when our kids were very, very young. We made a decision that we were going to major on experiences and minor on stuff in our family. Part of our thinking behind that decision came because both me and my husband grew up in families that didn't have very much materially. We were not wealthy at all. In fact, I grew up most of my life below the poverty line, and we struggled just to make ends meet and to make sure everybody was fed and clothed properly. When Jason and I got married, we both landed really good jobs and had far more than our families had when our parents got married. Our life experiences before we ever became parents helped inform us in this way. 
experiences over stuff is one of our core family values. And if you were to talk to any of my friends, my real life friends, and you were to ask them, what is something the shorts really major on over in their family? Almost every one of them would say this, the shorts value experiences over stuff. Our kids have never had the nicest clothes, the nicest shoes, the newest electronics. And when they were very little, they didn't have the fanciest or the newest toys. We have just never majored on stuff. This has been a deliberate choice and decision we made because we wanted their hearts untethered to stuff. Stuff isn't inherently bad, but what it can do to our hearts is. What it can do to our kids' hearts can be really detrimental to them if their physical stuff becomes idols to them. If they idolize the stuff and they idolize the way it makes them feel, if their physical stuff becomes something that they attach their identity to, like I have this thing or that thing and it makes me awesome, that is really detrimental to a heart that is striving for gratitude. One of the best ways to battle that is to focus less on physical gifts stuff as gifts, but to give them experiences instead. We do give our kids physical gifts, but most of the things that we give our kids as gifts have experience attached to them as the primary goal. Let me give you a quick example of how that practically plays out over here at our house. A few years ago, Jason had been taking our boys to play golf with him and to the driving range, and he was loving that time with them and watching them all enjoy golf together. So he decided one Christmas that what he really wanted to do was to get each of the kids, including our young daughter, a set of golf clubs. As you can imagine, golf clubs aren't cheap, and five sets of golf clubs, not cheap at all. We had some friends who actually gave us a set of golf clubs that fall for our daughter that their daughter was no longer using and had outgrown. And so we stashed them away, hidden in the garage for her. Jason scoured Facebook Marketplace and did some thrifting and with a combination of buying golf clubs, getting used golf clubs, and having golf clubs gifted to us, on Christmas morning, we were able to give each of our kids a set of golf clubs. Why did he want to do this? So that they could play golf with him and each other. The point of the golf clubs was for them to foster relationships with him and with each other. He even got me a set that Christmas, a junior set, because I'm too short for adult golf clubs, and it was actually a set that one of our sons handed down to me. But you get the point, right? They were given physical gifts, but the purpose of the gift was experience. It was to grow and foster relationships with their siblings and with their dad, with different pairs and combinations of them as they took off to go play golf together or to a driving range, our oldest taking our youngest, our two middle ones heading off to the golf course together. This is how we approach almost all gift giving in our house. 
How will this gift enrich an experience with people in their lives? Not make them look better because of what golf clubs they're carrying around or what name brand they are. But how will this gift enrich their lives and relationships? Stuff is stuff. Stuff that bonds us, creates meaningful moments and memories, helps us prioritize time with people. That is how we go about choosing gifts for our kids. Do they sometimes get a gift that is just stuff and it's because it's something that they want a toy to play with or a new pair of shoes or a name brand clothing item or something like that? Of course, but that is the exception. The majority of the time when we get our kids gifts for birthdays, Christmas, holidays, anytime, our focus is on experiences and not stuff. And what this does is it helps tear their hearts away from the material things of this world, the materialism of this world, from stockpiling things that they hoard and gather that make them look good or that are a status symbol, but to see that the greatest gifts you get make your relationships better and stronger. The most grateful people I know don't care much about stuff. The most ungrateful people I know care about it a lot. Number two, expose them to and have real relationships with people who have far less than they do. One of the most powerful tools we have as parents in helping foster gratitude in our kids is for them to have real and meaningful relationships with and expose them to people who have far less than they do. As I talked about on last week's episode on friendship, five friends all moms need, we need friends who aren't like us and our kids need friends who aren't like them. Why is this important as it relates to gratitude? Because helping your kids be able to see the many ways that they are blessed and to look around and see what God has given them gives them perspective and helps them see that not everyone is as blessed as they are. If you are doing this hard work of wanting to foster gratitude in your kids, then you have an opportunity when they are friends with people who have far less than they have materially or financially to teach them empathy and compassion and understanding and to look around at their own life and see how incredibly blessed they are. Not because what they have materially or financially makes them superior in any way to anybody else, but because when you've been given something that somebody else doesn't have, that can either feed our pride or turn us to gratitude. And as parents, we get to point and steer them to gratitude. That's the role we get to play here. If our kids have relationships and are exposed to other people who don't look like them and don't have what they have, then they're not always looking ahead to getting more and being more and having more stuff. And this kid got this awesome thing that I don't have. And so I need to have that too. But recognizing how blessed they are shifts their focus towards gratitude because they have relationships, real relationships with people that they love who don't have what they have. 
There are so many practical ways that you can be sure you're not living in a socioeconomic bubble where your kids lack this perspective. I'm just going to give you a few examples here. So if you're sitting wondering, how am I supposed to just get friends for my kids who have less than they do when I'm just out here living my life with my friends and my people in my social circle? Well, I'm about to give you a few. Number one, you can take them on missions trips that expose them to poverty. Missions trips allow your kids to give of their time and their money and your resources as a family to go to another country or even somewhere in the United States and serve for a few days or a week inside another community of people. My family did this in downtown Baltimore in 2015. Our kids raised some money and we gave money for it too as a family. And then we spent several days serving in inner city Baltimore. One of the things we did when we were there was we put together brown paper bags full of food and lunches that the kids were able to hand out to the homeless community in downtown Baltimore. Jason and I will never forget the conversations we had, especially with our elementary age children on that trip and in the weeks that followed. They had never seen homeless people before. We live in suburban Raleigh, and it was really their first exposure to understanding that there are people who do not have food, who are hungry and homeless, and this trip was a gift to them to be able to see how incredibly blessed they are, and for us as their parents to initiate conversations about that and about having compassion for others. Other ways we do this here in our family is that we send our kids to public schools where many of their peers do not have the financial resources we have. We also choose rec sports instead of choosing private sports leagues for our kids. The local rec center that the local city of Raleigh Parks and Rec has, our kids have been part of those teams for many, many years since they've been playing sports. And what this has done is it's enabled them to have and grow real friendships with people who were not already in our same circle of friends and are different from us politically, racially, religiously. And being part of these teams has given our entire family relationships with people who aren't just like us. Our kids have played basketball with kids who could not afford basketball shoes, so they played in their everyday sneakers. There is a big difference between raising kids who look at a child who is their friend who cannot afford what they can afford with pity and looking at themselves and what they have and being grateful. That's what we want for our kids. We want them to be grateful for what they have and seeing that other people in the world don't have that that other friends on their team don't have that. That's an important character distinction we can help them make and point them towards gratitude in their own lives. We teach our kids that they are never superior to people who live right down the street from us or people who live across the world because they don't have 
what we have materially. Number three, look in the mirror. You are their greatest example. I don't know that there is any topic that my friends and I talk more frequently about when we're discussing our tweens and teenagers than entitlement. I don't know a single one of us that's ever wanted entitled kids. I'm guessing not one of you wants entitled kids. Who would want kids who feel like they deserve what they've been given and frankly feel like they deserve a whole lot more too? Nobody wants kids like this, right? But the hardest part about entitled kids is that entitled kids come from entitled parents. Oh, how this has pained me and Jason as we've worked this out and struggled through this over the last 15, almost 20 years. One of the most difficult things about being a parent is that every day you're looking in a mirror, your kids looking right back at you. Little tiny ones under, say, the age of five, they just act out, right? They are just beginning to develop in character. So much of what they do is just age-appropriate, tough, really hard-to-manage behavior because they're toddlers. But once they're out of the toddler years, sometimes we see in our kids them reflecting back to us what we didn't know we were like but they reflect back to us who we are and what we care about. We see our kids' behavior, their entitlement, or how they're lashing out when they don't get something they want when they want it or how they want it or how they talk to people or treat people. And we see it every day, right? Because there are kids who live with us. And what we sometimes fail to realize is that they are imitating exactly what's been modeled for them. My kids are so entitled. Well, so am I. This is the hard work, hard stuff of parenting. It stings, right? I feel it. It stings my own heart from my own failings with my kids. The hard truth about parenting is that so much of what our kids struggle with is either something we passed on to them from our own behavior, from our own sin and our own struggles, or something they deal with from the circumstance they didn't choose of being born or placed into our family. Do sometimes kids take that sin and struggle much further than we took it? Yes. As they grow up, their choices become theirs. But we have so much impact on our kids and who they become. What we want for our kids to be, we have to be too. So often, parents will say things like, I did not raise you to act this way. No, you showed them how to act this way. Our kids grow in entitlement because it's modeled for them. Our kids see the way we treat restaurant servers, the cashier at the store, 
the food server that's never good enough and the food they bring out that's never hot enough. The friends we tear down with our words because we're jealous of what they have. The way we scrunch up our noses at whatever or whoever it is in our lives that doesn't measure up to how we think it or they should be, to how we deserve it or them to be. The speed of the grocery checkout girl, the contractor who didn't quite get that right or on time, the local business owner we got for cheap from church who definitely wasn't worth the money, and the envy-laden, eye-roll, sarcastic responses we give when so-and-so bought that big new house they don't need, so we're visibly miffed about it in front of our kids. You cannot expect to have and raise grateful children if you aren't grateful parents and grateful people. But every one of us can grow in this area. We aren't doomed as people and parents if this is how we've acted and how we've been. It doesn't matter how old our kids are. We can begin to reach for humility and can start doing things differently today, this week, this month, this year. We can say to ourselves, all right, I've struggled with this my whole life, and I struggle with it now, and now I see it in my five-year-old. Now I see it in my teenager, and I don't want to see it in my adult child, and so I'm going to work on changing. Awareness cuts us, right? It hurts, but it doesn't matter how old your kids are. You can call this out in yourself and to them and begin to work on it, to own it and to reach for gratitude instead, to pray about it alone and to pray about it together with your kids, to apologize even to your little kids. Mommy and daddy have not been doing this well. We haven't been grateful to God for what he's given us, and we want to do better. Can we all work on this together? That is how you change. You bring them along and start implementing small changes in how you respond and how you speak and how you model it for them, and then they catch it. It is hard to look in the mirror. It's hard to look at our kids and see our own junk staring right back at us. I know this as well as anyone, but we can choose to own it. We can choose to implement change and change together as a family. Number four, be generous and give yourselves away, not just your money. There is truly no better way to battle entitlement or a lack of gratitude than generosity. And I am not just talking about money. If you want to work on gratitude in your family and with your kids, consider being more generous, wildly generous. Do your kids see you giving of yourself to others? Do they see you serving other people in your life? It can be really hard in seasons of motherhood, especially when you have really little ones, to model generosity of time and generosity of spirit. 
But there are a lot of ways you can do this. Opening up your home, as we talked about in episode four, and inviting people over for a meal. Volunteering occasionally with a baby strapped to you. Baking cookies for a sick neighbor. Making cards for friends going through a hard time. It's living intentionally in ways that exude generosity as you give yourself in service to others. You can do this in the everyday ways I just listed or in one time bigger ways too that will really impact your kids. One of the ways we did this for years with our kids was that each Thanksgiving morning, we would head to the local assisted living facility and our kids would set up paper turkeys on a table and we brought a giant bin of Nerf guns and we worked with the facility so that some of the residents could be brought down to the lobby and they would shoot Nerf guns at the paper turkeys we brought for an hour or so on Thanksgiving day. We got to know some of the sweet people in that facility as we went back year after year and our kids ran around picking up Nerf bullets and refilling Nerf guns over and over again. We wanted to serve and love these people this way, but we also wanted our kids to see and know that pouring ourselves out to love other people well is a tangible expression of our gratitude. Spending a couple of hours on Thanksgiving morning with people who didn't have anyone to visit them was a way that our family could also be people others could be grateful for. The most grateful people we know are not the people we know that have the most. The most stuff, the nicest cars, the nicest house, the nicest everything. The most grateful people we know are the most generous people we know. We have friends who are incredibly wealthy and who are incredibly generous and grateful. And we have friends who have very little materially and financially, but are incredibly generous and grateful to people too. If you want your kids to be grateful, if you want their hearts to begin to battle entitlement and have a disdain for it, then teach them how to be generous with their time and yes, with their money and with their lives. Model it for them. Be a generous family. Be generous with the home God's given you. Be generous with your words of encouragement for others. And be generous with your lives and with what you have and with who you are. If you want to foster gratitude in your kids, consider living a generous life. Number five, be present with people. If a big part of helping foster gratitude in your kids is helping them see that they don't deserve the abundance of stuff they have, then an even bigger part of that is helping them see that they don't deserve these people sitting there next to them. Stuff without people is empty, even if it has momentary pleasure. We all know this, don't we? There are dozens of quotes from interviews with celebrities and the wealthiest people in the world who have so much money and so much stuff, but say that what they want, what they really want 
is to be loved and to be known and to be in relationships with people they love and that love them. People are what or who matter. Our relationships work and do people fail us and we fail them. And as we've talked about before on this podcast, is it messy? Yes. But at the end of every day, every month, every year of your life, and as you look back on it, it's the people and the relationships you have and the love that you share that makes you most grateful. Anyone at the end of their life will say this. Any one of us would say this, right? It is never the stuff. It's never material things. Our deepest regrets and our deepest joys are always tied directly to people. This time of year is gold in its opportunity to teach this to your kids, even your very little ones to you young mamas. What will truly turn their hearts to the deepest gratitude is to be present with people, not the hustle and shopping, not the holiday glitz and buzz, not the presents and the toys and the stuff and getting more. It's being present with people and doing the hard work inside relationships, especially the relationships inside their home. Christmas morning and holiday gift giving and taking time to think about what makes all of you grateful at Thanksgiving, those are all good things and they are special and unique. And like I mentioned before, an opportunity to gauge where your kids are, to really see them and where they are. But time you get all year long in the life that you are living day in and day out with your kids is what's really full of opportunities to model for them and teach them what a heart full of gratitude looks like. And training in gratitude is best done inside relationship where we feel things that we aren't proud of like being envious of something or someone getting something we want, but then having an opportunity to make it right with the people we love over and over again. You can teach this to your kids. You can model this for them from the time they are two years old. Our kids grow in maturity starting from a really young age, like the ages of two and three, in the same ways we continue to grow as adults by recognizing our mistakes and even our flaws that maybe we didn't know about and exposing them to the people closest to us and seeing that we are loved and forgiven and to do the same for others. Is there anything we could ever be more grateful for than asking for and granting forgiveness to each other and seeing broken relationships restored? Hear me out on this. We can think that the best thing is to hide our flaws and struggles from others so that they don't reject us. But admitting a flaw, admitting our own failures, even to our kids inside our home, being vulnerable with that and having someone accept you and forgive you and love you anyway and stay in relationship with you is an invaluable life skill and an unspeakable gift. It is the key to gratitude. 
Our kids know our flaws anyway. They're going to see them every day as they get older. And we want to pretend they don't. Well, they see it. And really, is there anything to be more grateful for than someone, even your own kids, knowing your flaws and loving you anyway, and you teaching them to do the same? So much of this is best modeled for them inside our own families, with your spouse, with your kids, with their siblings that live in their house with them. If you want your kids to know how to battle envy, which is often the root of entitlement, and refuse to allow it to take root in their hearts, then the life you live inside your family, the way you teach them to be grateful for what they have and celebrate what their siblings are given is such a powerful way to do that. As your kids grow up and your relationships with each other grow and you value experiences over stuff and you teach them to be generous with their time and with your time and with your money and you speak kindly to waiters and servers and treat people, all people, with dignity and kindness, you teach your kids that the most important thing in our lives is people. Relationships with people and the way we treat others is a true reflection of what's inside our hearts. You can have all the wealth in the world and all the stuff in the world, but if you don't have meaningful people to share it with, people who enter into your joy and you enter into theirs and you celebrate one another and you rejoice with one another when good things come each other's way, then all of that stuff just ends up in a landfill one day and none of it ever matters. And what's left is someone with a lonely, broken heart because they never learned that the best, truest thing we have to be grateful for are people to love and who love us. In my family, this goes far beyond each other. The one we are most grateful for in all of this is Jesus. He gave himself because he wanted relationship with us. And at the core of all we do and what we believe is that he is the ultimate example of true generosity of spirit, of love and of grace, and of pursuing relationship with us because of his great love for us. We love because he first loved us. We love one another and we pursue relationship with each other because that's what he did for us. He first pursued relationship with us. That's what he cared about and that's what he came for. Jesus is our model over here at the shorts and our truest example of generosity. So five ways to help foster gratitude in your kids. Focus less on stuff and more on experiences. Expose them to people and have real relationships with people who have far less than they do. Look in the mirror. You are their greatest example. Be generous. Give yourselves away and not just your money and be present with people. Those are just five ways we work on that over here. 
We don't have perfect kids. We are a whole hot mess over here. But we do have grateful kids. We've spent a lot of time being intentional about that since they were very little. And while nothing we do as parents is foolproof, and there are no magic formulas in parenting, intentionality in their little years and shaping them towards gratitude will impact them. It will. So this week, as you celebrate Thanksgiving, however you do that, hold those babies close, enjoy your time with them, and remember that there's no magic to this week. Nothing you have to do or get right. But begin to think about how you can, in your everyday life, model gratitude for your kids, teach them, equip them, and empower them to live that way too. You just finished another episode of the No Way But Through podcast. If you want to connect with other like-minded moms, head over to the No Way But Through page on Instagram. And if you'd like to help financially support our work over here at No Way But Through, there's a link at the bottom of the description of this podcast on how you can do just that. And click follow and subscribe so that you will get alerts every time we drop a new episode.